This is a podcast by The Straits Times. After a postponement of over six months, the SEA Games is finally upon us. The biennial regional games will take place from May 12 to 23 in Hanoi and the team here at The Straits Times will bring you everything you need to know about Team Singapore and ASEAN's top athletes. Hi, my name is Azali Abdulaziz from The Straits Times Sports Desk and with me on this episode of ST Sports Talk are my fellow sports reporters Kimberly Quack, Laura Chia and Deepan Raj Ganesan who will all be making the trip up to Vietnam with me. Hi guys, how's everyone feeling ahead of the SEA Games? Hi Saas, definitely feeling excited ahead of the SEA Games. Hi Saas, feeling good. Yeah, hi Saas, uh, feeling quite excited uh, to, to go to the SEA Games of course. Yeah, Deepan, let's start with you then. You know, is it coming home? Can the under-23 football team bring home a first SEA Games gold medal under Nazrina Say, You know, like uh, we have uh, spoken about casually in conversation a lot over the last year. Look, I, I think it's going to be a, a tough tough ask of Nazri's boys. Uh, I mean, you look out to look at it factually, uh, three straight group stage exits uh, at the SEA Games for the football team. Um, already, you know, before going into the tournament, I, I thought it was going to be a tough ask. But now that uh, the likes of Jacob Mahler, uh, Iksan Fandi, Irfan Fandi uh, are not in the squad, uh, it's going to be really, really, really tough tournament for them. Uh, I know that uh, at the end of the day, people will expect something from these boys because of the fact that they know them, because we, we see them week in, week out in the Singapore Premier League under the Young Lions. But yeah, I, I don't see this team making it into the, the, the semi-final, which will, of course, ensure that they might be able to get a medal. Uh, but I think for this time around, I don't see it happening. But for Nazri's case, I think he's got good momentum as a coach going into this because, of course, he was uh, a temporary manager of the national team. Uh, I think he definitely feels confident. But looking at the squad, I don't think they have what it takes. You've spoken to Nazri and a couple of the players I think recently in the, in the lead-up to the games. And you mentioned, you know, obviously now without Iksan, Irfan and, 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 you know, Captain Jacob Mahler, you know, things are difficult. But what's the mood like, you know, in the squad? What's your sensing of the mood? You know, given that, you know, when the draw was out, you know, we had a pretty favourable draw, probably the best we could have hoped for. Suddenly, that it looked like, hey, you know, that there could be a chance. And then, you know, in the weeks that followed, you know, injuries and then, you know, exclusions. And then now suddenly, like, oh, you know, even you... The perennial uh, optimist doesn't think that the, the team can get into the semi-finals. Like, h- how's the mood like? How's it affected the, the team? So, I, I think for, for people on the outside, uh, that there's a lot of doubts. Uh, but there are no doubts from Nazri himself. Uh, he thinks that this team can at least go to the semi-finals. Uh, and speaking to a couple of players, that optimism seems to be around the squad as well. I was speaking to one of the players in the squad and he feels that, yes, we, we may have key absentees. But the players here are actually good enough to make the step up. So just to speak about uh, Iksan Fandi and Ilhan Fandi, who would have led the line for uh, the Singapore under-23 team. So in their absence, of course, uh, the burden of, of the goal-scoring burden goes to Zikos Chua, Kyrin Nadim and uh, Glenn Quay, uh, as well as Nicky Melvin Singh. And in the squad, there's this belief that these four players are good enough to make the step up. Uh, of course, not at Iksan Fandi's level, but they, they are quite confident that they can score the goals to ensure that they can go on to the semi-finals. Whether or not they do it and whether or not this optimism is fulfilled, uh, it remains to be seen. I do like Kyrin. He looks a, a very natural talent and, and you know one we haven't had in a, in a long yep. time. Kim, over to you. One of the main sports you are likely to have your eye on in Hanoi is swimming. Singapore once again uh, expected to dominate in the pool. But, you know, what, what are some of the subplots almost we should keep an eye out for? 
Yeah, so you're right. I think we can expect a decent outing from Singapore again. The last time around, you know, they did match their best ever haul of 23 goals. Um, but, you know, there's going to be some competition from other swimmers from around the region, like in the freestyle. You know, I think we have to keep an eye out for Malaysia's Q Ho Yen. So he, you know, he, he's clocked the fastest times in, in some of the freestyle events among his Asian, Southeast Asian counterparts uh, this year. And, you know, he's overtaken Malaysia's freestyle King Wilson Sim in, in recent meets. So definitely, I think he's one that will be challenging for titles at the SEA Games. I think we cannot discount the fact that Vietnam have some very strong swimmers as well. And yeah, and also, you know, Indonesia have swimmers like E. Gede Siman Sudatawa, who is the defending champion for the 50-meter backstroke. And yeah, definitely, you know, we'll see quite a few other countries also trying to challenge for some of the titles that are up for grabs. But, you know, I think interestingly, in the women's events, it might be a bit more open this time around because Vietnam's swimming queen, uh, Nguyen Thi An Bien, will not be competing. So she, she won at six gold medals at the 2019 SEA Games. And um, I think this could provide a chance for, you know, other swimmers, including ones from Singapore, to grab some of the gold medals um, this time around. Right, you mentioned some Singapore swimmers. Obviously, the microscope will be on Joseph Schooling once again uh, and Kwa Cheng Wen, you know, they, they enlisted after the Olympics. Both have earned uh, the times needed to, to compete at the, the SEA Games. Do you think we can, you know, see them at their, you know, the, the level we are accustomed to, you know, like winning gold medals, like almost for fun? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, I think there was initially some uncertainty surrounding the Singapore team because of uh, how key swimmers like Joseph and Jungwon uh, had enlisted not too long ago. But, you know, at recent meets, we've seen them swim some quite decent timings. Joseph has, uh, in the 200-meter butterfly, uh, clocked his best time in two years. So, yeah, definitely, I think we could see... Um, them dominating again and and I think you also spoke to Joseph quite recently, right? What was yep. he like like how did how was he feeling ahead of the season? He is actually he was actually very serene about things, you know, like uh he seems to be honestly legitimately in a good place. Uh, you know, but but he also did give off the vibe that you know he was sort of like barely keeping things together because his schedule was was quite mad. You know, he he, he wakes up you know, before dawn to train and then goes to camp and then after camp straight away goes to, to training. But, you know, it's it's something that he wants to sacrifice for. He said it could be his last SEA uh, Games. You know, he'll, he'll see how, how he feels after that and then, you know, uh, after the Asian Games or so and see whether he wants to go for for Paris. But I, I like like you mentioned, I, I, I think he has something he wants to prove you know, not to other people, but to himself, uh, that that he still sort of has it, uh, and I think we could see a good showing from him based on, like you said, you know, the conversation I had with him. Um, Laura, you know, uh, you likely among other things be covering table tennis. How likely are we to see a third consecutive sweep of the men's and women's singles titles? Um, I think there's a pretty high chance this time, especially in the men's singles, because we have Cohen Pang, who is the defending champion, as well as Olympian Clarence Chu, who finished second at the 2017 and the 2019 SEA Games. And so I think they have a pretty good chance of finishing in the top two again. Although Cohen did admit that he did not have as much time to prepare for this one because he was serving national service, but I think that 
Clarence in recent years with his experience at the recent Tokyo Olympics as well. That will definitely help him and I think we can expect to see the two of them in the final again. Can you talk a bit about the makeup of the table tennis team that, that we are sending over? Yu Mingyu and uh, Feng Tianwei, obviously. Uh, in the twilight of their careers, uh, Mingyu, in fact, has retired uh, recently. Uh, is there a sense of renewal uh, you know, in, in that squad that we are sending over? Yes, definitely. I think in the absence of Feng Tianwei and Yu Mengyu, um, the younger players now have the chance to step up. But that being said, although they are young in age, they are not exactly new to the SEA Games environment as well because we, only, we actually only have um, two debutants in the men's and the women's team and they are Zheng Jian who will be playing our singles, doubles and the team events as well as Zhou Jingyi who will be playing in the team events. So it is an exciting time for table tennis because we get to see this new generation of paddlers um, and see how they perform as well as whether they uh, will live up to the previous expectations from their seniors. But they are mature in the sense that they have decided not to let past experiences and past results affect them and they're just going for what's ahead of them and focusing on the present right now and also because it's their first major games after the pandemic so it would be a sort of signal to them for the the upcoming years what is going to come for Singapore table tennis. Right, and, and as for myself, I have my eye on athletics and a couple of other sports. And I have to say, I am really interested in some prospects in track and field. In the 100 meter event, we have Mark Brian Lewis uh, in his first SEA Games. He's not even 20 and he's the third fastest Singaporean of all time, 10.39 seconds. So he's, he's a prospect to watch. Uh, in the high jump, we have Kempton Kam and Michelle Sung, both in the men and women's events, who both, based on forms, are in contention for gold medals. Uh, and a 110-meter hurdler, Ang Chen Xiang, is the quickest man in the region since the 2019 SEA Games. So he's also a, a, a serious shot at goal. So it could be a very interesting time for track and field, which has you know struggled in, in, in previous uh, recent SEA Games for Singapore. So I'll be keeping my eye on that. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. And now back to our conversation. Now, in our build-up for the Hanoi Sea Games, The Straits Times has deliberately focused on five young athletes making their Sea Games debuts. They are all born in the year 2000 or later, which makes them literally the 21st century Singaporean athlete. And they are the ones that will fly the flag for the Republic in bigger and higher level competitions in the coming years. Laura, you spoke to two athletes, in fact, new table tennis player Zhou Qingyi and swimmer Adi Azman. Uh, can you shed a bit of light into what makes them tick? Yeah, so they are young athletes and they will be making their major games debut in Hanoi. So naturally, they are a bit excited, but they also told me that they're a bit nervous. It's sort of like when you have to go on stage to make a presentation for the first time. So uh, there's that. And they also have their hopes and uh, they do dream of pursuing greater things, not just at the SEA Games, but beyond as well. But they also know that it's their first major games and given the challenges during the pandemic, they also know how to manage their own expectations and to stay realistic. Alright, Kim, you interviewed Elko, who is one of two 14-year-olds in the Singapore contingent. Uh, what was it like speaking to someone so young? Yeah, I mean, she, you know, honestly, um, I think she's quite mature for her age. 
and she you know she's I think similar to what Laura said uh, you know, she's expect managing her own expectations because this is just her third overseas competition um in her fencing career so far. So the the first two that she she has been to have been eye openers for her because they've exposed her to a new level of pressure that she's learning to deal with. And um, you know, it's like for Elle, she's very competitive and she's also learning to manage her own expectations and try to, you know, just take lessons from each experience that she gets instead of harping so much on the results. So I think yeah, this is uh she, this is something that she's definitely looking forward to and 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 um you know she hopes to just keep building on this um as as she plans to pursue a career in fencing and then hopefully reach the Olympics like her teammate Kiria. Yeah, t- time is definitely on the side. It's quite mad to think that she will you know more most likely be facing people who are more than double her age. Um, and Deepan, we talked about football earlier. You have another sport you are deeply passionate about, and that is dance sport. Of course, you interviewed Chelsea Tsan. What was she like, and what is dance sport all about? Yeah, so uh, dance sport refers to uh, competitive uh, ballroom dancing. Um, I, I think some people will, will question you know, why is dance sport called the sport. Uh, but actually, when you look at them, you know, it requires high levels of fitness, discipline, rhythm, uh, footwork, which which are all also hallmarks of other sports as well. So about Chelsea, I think the story here is basically, you know, in 2019, uh, she ran over to, to Hanoi for uh, an Asian meet uh, and she won seven medals there. So now she's heading back to the same city for her SEA Games debut and she hopes to, you know, do as well as she did previously. The thing about Chelsea is, you know, before I spoke to her for, for the story, uh, I actually watched her um, dancing in, in practice with her, her brother, who is a partner. Uh, and she was flamboyant, she was aggressive in, in dancing. And then when she spoke, uh, she was really, really, really soft. So I had to ask her to speak up several times. And I think that's indicative of what the sport means to her. She uses dance as a form of expression. She feels that she can speak to people through dance. Uh, and I think that's what that's what is wonderful about her and, and the sport that she's pursuing. Uh, and like I mentioned, it's a Sea Games debut. But her brother actually did medal at the last games uh, with a different partner. Uh, and and you know it's destiny that that both of them are going into these games together. But she has the support of her brother to to tide her through uh, the nerves, so as to speak, on on debut. And lastly, guys, for each of you, this is uh, your first overseas major games. Uh, in one word or maybe one sentence, what are you looking forward to most in Hanoi? Kim, let's start with you. I think for me, it's going to have to be the atmosphere. Like I saw a few days ago that, you know, um, I think for the men's football competition, people were queuing up to find tickets. And um, I mean, that's exciting to see that fans will be back. And also, like, I don't think I've, I've been to an event of, such a large scale. I know we've had some sports events happening in Singapore, but um, this is probably going to be the largest one. So definitely going to be excited for that. Laura, what about you? I'm looking forward to the food, but specifically street food and not just the usual pho and banh mi, but I'm looking forward to trying more exotic types of street food, like maybe some insects. You are certainly brave. Uh, And Deepan, what about you? Um, I'm looking forward to the travelling. I think uh, since the pandemic, we've not been, or at least I have not been able to get out of the country. Uh, looking forward to combining travel with work and also watching live sports. Uh, the last time I was out of the country uh, was in England to watch a football game. 
uh, looking forward to watching more than just football uh, in Hanoi. Alright, let's hope the trip is a bountiful and successful one for both ourselves and Team Singapore. Thanks guys. Thank you, Sas. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.